You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you would like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. So, what do you preach on on Mother's Day? That's a very good question. How about we preach on this? Where is God when bad things happen? I mean, that's a good Mother's Day topic, isn't it? Hey, where is God when bad things happen? Well, I think that's a brilliant thing to pray. This is such a massive topic. And look, I'm going to do a spoiler alert, all right? I'm going to tell you the answer. I'm going to tell you the answer right at the beginning, so then you can go home. Does that sound good? Yeah, good luck on that one. So I'm going to tell you the answer. The answer has got to be one of the most common commands in Scripture. One of the most common commands in Scripture. Do you know what that is? Do not be afraid. I am with you. Joshua 1, 6-7. I mean, can you imagine Joshua? Like, he's been living under Moses for all this time, and now he has this, this bunch of dudes right behind him that is saying, wow, okay, this is, this is where I'm going. Uh, I've got to go in the promised land. I've got to go in the promised land. But they're really nasty people over there. But I've got to go. So Joshua 1, 6 and 7 says, What? Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. What? Just in case he didn't get it the first time, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do all the law, uh, sorry, to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right nor the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Where is God when bad things happen? He's right with you. Amen? Amen? So I've got to ask another question then. This one. What's a bad thing? What's a bad thing? Well, let's have a look. Yeah, well, it could be an interesting one. Let's have a think. Psalm 69 says, wonderful. Hear me, my God, I voice my complaint. Don't you just love that? That is being honest to God, literally. Protect my life from the threat of the enemy. Hide me from the conspiracy of the wicked, from the plots of the evildoers. You're building up a bit of a picture here? They sharpen their tongues like swords and aim cruel words like deadly arrows. They shoot from ambush at the innocent. They shoot suddenly without fear. To me, that sounds like a bad thing. Does that sound like a bad thing to you? Well, it sounds like a bad thing to me. Hmm. So it's a bad thing. So I reckon it's when people reject you. When, maybe when you get beaten. Or maybe when you get shipwrecked or betrayed by your best friends. And where is God then? Oh, hang on a sec. Actually, didn't that happen to the Apostle Paul? And actually, what happened for Paul was that his faith deepened and matured, and he grew deeper into God, into knowing who God was, into knowing Jesus. And we have the New Testament as a result now. 
So I wonder if a bad thing was a bad thing. Wow, interesting thought. Well, okay, here we go. What about if you lose your job or you don't get a promotion? That's a bad thing. I mean, that's happened to me. And I, that's happened so, you know, several times. And at the time I've gone, this is a bad thing. God, what are you doing? Where are you? This is a bad thing. And then with the value of hindsight, I look back and go, thank you, Lord, you didn't give me that job. Thank you, Lord, you didn't give me that promotion. Thank you, Lord, you didn't do that. Because at the time, I thought it was a bad thing. But now when I look back, I realize it wasn't a bad thing. Hmm. Now, I've got a cracker for you. All right, hypothetically speaking. You walk into the optometrist and she takes one look at you and she says, I'm making an appointment to see an eye specialist. And then you're within a week. In at the spe- How many people get into a specialist within a week? Within a week. And he says to you, guess what? 15 to 20 years' time, you're probably going to lose most of your vision. That's a bad thing, isn't it? But then, let's compound that bad thing and say, okay, instead of 15 to 20 years, it's actually two and a half years. Or three years. Now, that's got to be a bad thing, hasn't it? Where's God there? Oh, hang on. That happened to me. Hmm. Okay. So I wonder where God was in that. Well, if you ask me about my vision loss, I'll say it's one of the most profound gifts that God has ever given to me. Because what it's done is it has deepened, matured my faith so that my love for God has increased to such a level that it has overshadowed what it was before. That my love for Jesus and the intimacies that I experience with God on a daily basis is just so totally different. It's just a whole other level. So maybe that's not a bad thing. What about success? Now, I think success is one of those classics that we would never see that as a bad thing. I mean, look, hands, I was going to say hands down, all those people who don't want to be rich and wealthy and famous and all that sort of stuff. You know, you have all the dollars. Well, you want 200 Gs for the, yeah, not a problem. That's pocket money. Don't worry about it. Don't stress over it. Success has surely got to be a good thing, doesn't it? Surely. Has to, do I hear? Do you think it's a good thing? I think it's a good thing. Hmm. 1 Kings 11, this guy by the name of Solomon had everything anybody could ever want. He had 700 wives. Can you imagine Mother's Day? Seriously, that is out of control. Jeepers, I have enough problems with one wife, let alone 700. Fair income. Thank you, Jesus, for the woman that you have given to me. Um, so he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines and his wives led him astray. Whoa, hang on. It's all right, guys, don't think there's a principle here, okay? This is just Solomon. As he grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. He followed uh, Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sardonians, and Molech, 
the, and like seriously, these gods were were bad stuff. Like when I'm talking bad stuff, I'm talking skin your babies type stuff. Okay, of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. Isn't that interesting? What I thought would be success and not a bad thing actually became a bad thing because look what happened to Solomon. I think it's actually not whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I wonder if it's more about your expectations. I wonder if the challenge of this is more about what we expect or what we dream and what we expect of God. How we think things should turn out. I get married. I expect to be like the movies. Everything all hunky-dory. I get a job. I expect everything to go perfect. Because after all, God gave me the job. I become a pastor. I expect zero problems. Because after all, isn't it God's calling? So I have this expectation that things will happen in a certain way. When I was playing basketball, I had the expectation I'd play in the NBA. Yeah, anyway, whatever. Um, So we think we have these expectations, and the problem is we have these expectations, but we actually expect God to meet those expectations for us. We expect him to meet those expectations for us. We set up the expectations. He meets them. With the goal of building, it's been very interesting and I've been very uh, careful with our team up there to follow a group discernment process. So I have included them every step of the way because I didn't want this to be my dream or my expectation I wanted it to be the work of God within us as a community Larry Crabb who's a uh, Christian psychotherapist or he was up until about 10-15 years ago has written a million books um, and seriously I think sometimes if he just sneezes he writes a book Uh, that's just I mean he's just so unbelievably prolific He wrote this book called Shattered Dreams. Interesting concept, Shattered Dreams. And what he was doing, what he was describing in that book, Shattered Dreams, was he was saying that we actually develop dreams and expectations which are based on a number of things but are not based on what God wants for us. And so what happens is we get so fixated on that dream that then we have no idea what God actually wants. And the only way for God to get our attention is if he breaks or shatters that dream. And then he rebuilds something new out of it. The only way he can get our, expecta- the only way he can get our attention. I mean, how sad is that? But I want to bring perspective on that. See, I expect things to go a certain way, and it doesn't. So I blame God. Just got to love the Psalms. Like seriously, love the Psalms. Psalm 13, verses 1 to 4. How long, Lord? You could almost stop there, couldn't you? How long? 
Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer. Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foe will rejoice when I fall. Wow. How long? I think the psalmist had some expectations there that weren't being met. And you know what? God didn't come to the party. Go figure. So I've got to ask a question. If this happens for you, And I would actually, without being a prophetic word, I would say it has happened to you. How do you respond? How do you respond when your dreams and your expectations are shattered? How do you respond to God when that happens? Is it anger? Is it resentment? Bitterness? Unforgiveness? Oh, well, of course, it's God, you know. I mean, we need to allow him to do what what he's going to do. Wada, wada, wada. I talk to our guys about a personal and a formal theology. Our formal theology is the stuff that we think we should say, but our personal theology is what we believe. So I trust Jesus. I know he's got my future in. But deep down I'm going, how come you didn't meet my expectations? How come you didn't? One of the things we talk about on retreat is developing an honest prayer, an honest prayer to God. Why? Because we can get so stuck in that point of either our shattered dreams or the emotions that go with that shattering. We can get stuck there. But I want to ask another question as well. I want to ask how do we set up our dreams? How do we set up our expectations? Now, I don't know about you, but I think sometimes we have this ATM God, the ATM Jesus. So what I do is I have my little card, I write my prayer at it, I stuck it in the machine, whatever that prayer is, I stick it in the machine, and voila, I get what I want. I've got some bad news for you. God doesn't do that. He's not an ATM machine. Go figure. So how do I set up my expectations? Maybe it's my past experiences. Maybe it's jealousy towards others. I remember a state conference that we went to a number of years ago, and they had this guy speaking, and he went over to Sydney, and God had said, go over to Sydney. So he went over to Sydney, planted this church, and within two years had 2,000 people. Good on him. But he was talking to a bunch of pastors whose average church size was probably between 40 to 80. How realistic was it for them? But I guarantee that there was many people there that went away thinking, God, you need to do this thing for me. Why is it that you haven't done this for me? To set up expectations of God, which he wasn't able to meet. Maybe it's your desires based on what you want, yourself. 
You know, we rarely dream of having failure, do we? We only dream of success. And one of the things that has happened with the Gawler building is that I'm not interested in dreaming success. I'm interested in dreaming God's dream. And so we've been very, very careful as we've gone each step of the way to ask the question, Lord, is this something that you're in? Are you doing something through this? And the answer has come back a resounding yes. So what's going to happen? When I was starting up Gawler many moons ago now, what feels like 100 years ago, I had these expectations. Okay, we're going to do, a, going to do some stuff around homelessness, stuff around this, stuff around that, etc., etc. And you know what? God slammed every single door shut. Like, didn't close them. Slammed them shut. And so my expectations, I'm going, Lord, what are you doing here? What is it that you want to do through this place? Because surely this is what you want to be doing. This is where you want to be working. He said, no. Now as I look back, I realize that if he'd have met those expectations, we wouldn't be where we are now. Because those expectations came from me and what I wanted. It wasn't out of what I sought. But there's a much bigger picture to these scattered dreams. You see, this bigger picture is about transformation. You see, he grows us, he develops us, and he gives us new dreams. He wants us to dream his dream for us, which is unique for every single one of us. How cool is that? How cool is that? Psalm 13 that we looked at a little bit earlier. Remember how long? Psalm 13, 5 to 6 says, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. What a fantastic conclusion to asking how long. Because then, all of a sudden, the psalmist is saying, you know what, I'm with you. Psalm 37 goes on to say, uh, be still before the Lord. Be still. That's a scary concept in itself. And then the second scary concept is wait patiently for him. Seriously, who does that? We know what we need. We know what he needs. Let's do it. Do not fret when people succeed in their, in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Don't compare yourself with other people because God's story for you is unique to you. You don't want to be in my place and I don't want to be in your place. You certainly don't want to be in my place, that's for sure. <laughs> because God has uniquely gifted me for what lies ahead. That is my journey. And that's brilliant. And I'm starting to come and see that. Refrain from anger. Whoa, there's those emotions again, isn't it? Turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. How do we respond to God when we have unmet expectations? Let's tell him. Let's be honest. Let's bring it to him. You see, God wants to create a new dream within you. 
And that shattering of those dreams that you've had previously that you thought was a bad thing was actually the start of something new. It was actually the start of something exciting because more and more you're becoming more and more familiar with what God wants of your life. When those dreams are not in line with God, interesting, he's interested in transformation. 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 2 Corinthians 3.15 says, it, and it's referring to the veil that was uh, when um, the law was read, has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, uh, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is, the Lord is. There is, what? Freedom. Hang on a sec. Now he was talking about the law, but for us, we put a veil up of our expectations and our angst against God because he doesn't do what we tell him and we, what we know that he should do. And so we put our own veil up before God. But he, Paul is saying, no, that has fallen away. Instead, you have the freedom to move into what God intends for you. And we all, and I just love this, and we all who with unveiled faces, unveiled faces, all that stuff gets taken away. Contemplate the Lord's glory. Our being, our being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I've got some bad news about that verse for you. It's a process. And you know what? With that process comes pain and emotion and angst. It comes with emotional stuff. It may come with physical, material, whatever. But God is more interested in you being transformed than he is about you wallowing in those old dreams which were too small and too constraining for you. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform, and the Greek is about not just do not conform, but do not keep on being conformed. So it's a continuous thing to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the what? The renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to, hear, uh, to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. Wow. A process of transformation where God can take us with our... Yeah, it's funny, I was watching... I've got a great grandkid. Yay, how cool is that? I know, I only look like 40. Go figure. And we're watching him and he's just learning to walk. Absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. But... He was fixated on something, which was a glass on a cupboard. So he was fixated. He wanted to get that glass. Now, I knew full well that if he got it, he'd pull it off the cupboard 
and there'd be glass smashed everywhere. And that would not be a thing. And he was not happy about it. He was not happy about A, that I wouldn't let him go over there, and B, that I took the glass away. He was not a happy camper. Now, that's very cute when he's uh, six months old, I think. Um, that's very cute, isn't it? You think, oh, is that cute? That's so cute. And yet God does that for us. Pete, you know what? You may want that. But that is not good for you. I have something better for you. I have something better. Isaiah 40, uh, 28 to 31 is one of those verses that we often quote. It says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Now that is a brilliant statement. Straight away there, it tells you who God is. It puts him in perspective and it puts us in perspective. He will not grow weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths, there guys, grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That is a process. It doesn't just happen overnight. It is a process of experiencing and coming to the God who is our creator God who then is looking to build us up. I was having a walk with uh, Pastor Rad, Pastor Matt, Pastor Joe and Pastor Pete um, the other day and we are just, just having a wander around and uh, Joe was going, oh yeah, you know, who are? Oh, sorry, I can't do the Canadian accent. Don't, not even going to go there. Not even going to go there. And he's saying, oh, yeah, you know, I, I ran 9Ks the other day. Oh, it wasn't too bad. You know, I pulled up pretty good. And uh, Matt goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I ran 4Ks, the, 5Ks the other day. Yeah, no, it was pretty good. You know, I, I pumped it out. You know, it was good. And then Rad didn't say anything. And I thought, oh, it's my turn. So I said, ah, well, actually, you know what? I ran 400 metres the other day. Pulled up pretty good. Actually, you know, I was pretty good the next day too. And it's amazing how that killed the conversation. <laughs> but you see, for me to, to pump out 4Ks, I've got to train for that. I've got to train for that. I can't do it straight away. This Isaiah is dreaming of a process of transformation process of transformation the problem is so often God's dream is boring our dream is more interesting because it's the glitz and the glamour it's not the integrity but it's interesting because God builds desires within us for intimacy with him but we look for other ways to get that. He builds desires into us for success, but we misinterpret it and we interpret it and we put it into other ways. What's the building about? You know what? The building's actually not about me at all. It's not even about Algola Hope Central CRC Church. It's about doing something pretty amazing. It's about providing an opportunity for transformation. 
when I was reflecting on the building, God very clearly said to me, jump over to Micah 6.8, Pete. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. But that's so boring. No, this is what I want you to do the right thing. Be a person of integrity towards not only within yourself, but towards those around about. I want you to love mercy, to love the people, whoever they are who come in, and accept them. And treat them as I treat you. And I want you to walk with me. What does the Lord require of me? Wow. You know, God's building a new dream in me. He's building a new dream. He's building a new dream in you too. And he wants to build a new dream in you. But are you prepared to let him? Do you want to hold on to that old dream that he's shattered and that he has broken those old expectations? And do you want to try and put the pieces together for that constrictive container that is no longer you? Do you want to try and fit into that? There is no way I'd fit into the clothes that I fitted into when I was a young guy. Actually, even not that long ago either. <laughs> but that's another story. We won't go there. So don't bother even trying. Dream a new dream. Allow God to do something in you, which is pretty amazing. And as the band comes up, that'd be great. I guess I have a challenge for you. So Philippians 3 says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus I press on all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things and on some point if you think differently this too God will make clear to you only let us live up to what we have already attained where is God when bad things happen you know what he is right with you he is right with you. And he's helping you to pick up the pieces of his dream that he wants. Which is a new revitalized dream. Which is something which is about transformation. It is not about going back to the old. So I have a question. Will you allow him to do that? Will you allow him to do that? Will you allow him to do that? Or do you want to get stuck? Now, one of the things that's happened because I've had a very rough patch over the last what, three and a half years, as you can appreciate, and at times when it has been incredibly tough for me emotionally and the whole setup, and sometimes where I'm just crying, going, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? How on earth can you call me to be a, be a pastor in a new church, in a venture like this? How on earth does that even happen? At times like that, and there's times when I struggle with my vision, 
he's actually challenged me and he's encouraged me to actually write poetry. Go figure. Never saw myself as a poet. Still don't see myself as a poet. But you know what? It's pretty interesting. So here's one that I wrote when I was reflecting on the, on the passage, on the, on the story of Mark when Jesus touched the man um, and healed his eyes. And remember when he could only see trees and then he could see? So I was reflecting through that passage and this is a poem that I wrote in response to it. It's called I Can See. I can see people like trees, cried the blind man as the saviour touched his eyes. I can see, I can see, exclaimed, exclaimed with vision restored. But the other way around? I can see, I can see, exclaimed the man with vision. I see people like trees, cries the blind man with vision removed. The vision goes, the trees disappear. Where is the saviour's touch now? In the angst and frustration, the pain and the stress, in the straining and struggling, in asking questions of life and vocation. I am here, he quietly states. I am with you, he assures. As he puts his arm around my shoulders, as he touches my eyes, as he wipes the tears that flow, I am with you. As we both fall into a silence that unites, that comforts, that allows coexisting pain and joy, a union only a saviour who loves and hurts can truly know. I can see, cries the blind man, with true vision. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.